we were just thinking about this king's uh, sleepless night and what he might could have done during that sleepless night. What, what would have been options for him, perhaps? Yeah, that's right. I remember. He said something about warm milk. And, uh, yeah, warm milk, I think, was suggested. <laughs> <laughs> and Kaku, yes, yes, I, you know, uh, or what else might he have chosen? Knowing this king, he might have chosen... Advisors! <laughs> <laughs> and a decree that the king must sleep. <laughs> Good choice. What else does he seem to show an enjoyment for? Drinks. Yes! About bringing out the wine. Sleeping. Or even the food. Uh, or uh, music. You know, you, you know, everybody wants music. Um, or he could have chosen to have a book read to him. And he could have chosen any book. But of all things, he chose which book? The one that would most likely put you to sleep. Yeah, I think that was it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the memorable deeds of the king is the way the uh, Portuguese translation, translation puts it. Uh, the chronicles uh, of the king. Now, you know, there were, I'm sure were many, many pages or, you know, hundreds of pages in this book. And it just so happened that what part of that book was chosen and read? Part about Mordecai. Yeah, where Mordecai saved his life from those two dudes who were going to kill him. And the king immediately like, you know, what's been done to honor him? Nothing. Well, that clearly has to be correct. Now, it is amazing how this whole story turns around on a king not getting to sleep one night and, and a book being read to him. You know, someone has said, I think this is it's an interesting thought, that any deity worth his salt can do a miracle now and then. But our God is so great that he can work without miracles through ordinary events to accomplish his ancient promises. I mean, all through this story, you can't exactly put your finger on something that, that couldn't have happened in kind of a natural sort of process. And yet they all happened in such an unlikely sequence. It's just like, whoa, can't believe that happened. Clearly, the hand of the Lord is in this. But he's able to work in a way that is so subtle. It really is impressive, his ability to do that. Comments and thoughts through three? I figured there's a couple of good reasons why I couldn't sleep. One, he was wondering what Esther was going <laughs> to... Yeah, it could be. And the other one was all the hammering going on. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered about that, too. Somebody building a 75-foot gallows. Yes. I actually read that, the commentary. <laughs> you can be a commentator. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I have a note on that in my uh, typed-out notes. I have a question. Yes. Relating back to chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. Yes. Where this was reported. Yes. So the king knew about it then. Yes. He didn't know anything about it. Yes. He didn't. He didn't bother to honor Mordecai. It slipped his mind, I guess. Because he's saving his life. Yeah, who knows? You know, he's too busy not thinking. 
Does he consider that king in I have no clue, but he really did suffer a terrible defeat to Greece. But I don't know otherwise. Does anybody know what Xerxes is? I think he must have been good because he's in that list I read yesterday about Psalm 33 of great leaders war. Really? Yeah, the great, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I don't really know what Xerxes is considered. But that was a really notable defeat. Um, well, you know, the king's like, we got to honor this guy. And of course, what's the next thing he thinks? Yeah, <laughs> who can tell me how? <laughs> you, know, yeah, yeah. you know, as usual, he's got to get advice before he can do anything. And, uh, well, lo and behold, who should happen to be out in the court? Haman. Well, what's Haman doing there this early hour of the morning? Waiting for the king to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be first in line to see the king. He has probably also spent a sleepless night seeing to uh, the <laughs> gallows construction. Yeah, may have been hammering it himself for all we know. And uh, so he's, he can't wait to get approval to uh, put Mordecai on that stake. So, the king has Haman come in. Now, it's kind of just a comic uh, situation. Both of them have something on their mind that they want to talk to the other one about. Now, when the king and the vice king both have something on their mind and they come together, who speaks first? The king, king, of course. And so the king is like, uh, Haman, listen, what's to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor. What did the king omit in that uh, question? Doesn't this remind you of something? Yes. Poetic <laughs> justice. Haman didn't tell the king who he wanted to kill. Yes, exactly. So, this is uh, same song, second verse. Doesn't tell Haman the uh, most significant point, who it is. And this leads to a comic misunderstanding of enormous proportions. Because, of course, Haman thinks that the king has who in mind? Him? Yes. If it were me, yes. You know, the egomaniac, uh, Mr. Haman here. And so, Haman responds in terms of what? What he would want. Exactly. He describes his greatest dream. Now, if you were to be able to ask the king for absolutely anything that the king could give, what would you want from the king? Yes, of course. Not Haman. His mind is on what he would consider much greater things. And you look at this, this is hilarious. For the man whom the king desires to honor, let them bring a royal robe which the king has worn. And the horse on which the king has ridden, crown on the horse please, and let the robe and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble princes, who carries him through the city saying, this is the man the king wants to honor. What do you think about that? Very short-lived. Yes. And what does it show you that Haman wants more than anything? More <laughs> That too. Glory. Glory. Praise, honor. 
This is his fantasy. It almost looks to me like he wants what? Absolutely! He wants to masquerade as the king, ride around on the royal steed, and have somebody tell everybody this is the king, the one the king wants to honor. It's like he can't wait to be king. I think this is a bit outrageous. The king's very own robe? He's already worn it? And the king's very own horse that he rides on? This is, this is wow. He, his appetite for recognition and glory is insatiable. This is his highest dream. And of course it's so ironic. <laughs> he doesn't realize who he's suggesting this for. And so this is funny for us because we realize oh, the king's thinking this, and oh, Haman's thinking that. (laughs) And where are these two guys going to intersect? And so, in verse 10, the king likes the idea. I don't remember any suggestion of an advisor he ever turned down. You know, take quickly the robes and the horse, as you have said. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, And do so... For Mordecai the Jew. Whoa. I would have loved to have seen Haman's face. Oh my. Bet she tells you it's pretty good. <laughs> Is it good? <laughs> uh, well, I'd love to see it on Board of Tales. You know, take quickly. I mean, and he says, and do not fall short in anything of all that you have said. I think it's amazing that he did it. You know, I would have figured he'd have committed suicide before he did this. You know, just, wow. Can you imagine him riding Mordecai through the streets of the city saying this is the one that came on honor? Wow. He has to tell others, basically, to do for Mordecai the one thing Mordecai would not do for Haman. Give him honor. Isn't that ironic? It's just, wow. In 11 verses, this whole story has been turned on its head by the sleepless night of the king. Can you imagine the king? By the way, Hammond, what did you come in for this morning? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we'll postpone that. <laughs> Whoa. But Hammond did get a position of honor here. His suggestion was that it be handed over to the most noble prince. Yes. And let him array the man. And yes. So he gets to do the honors. <laughs> so he made, he made that grade as most noble prince. So ironic. <laughs> Other thoughts? <coughs> 12 to 14. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried home, mourning, with his head covered. Haman recounted to Zeresh's wife and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then his wise men and Zeresh's wife said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish origin, 
you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hastily brought Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Uh, things are swiftly inverting here. Haman returns home how? Yeah, and in mourning, who's been mourning up to this point? Mordecai and the Jews. Now it's Haman, and Mrs. Haman is like, oh yeah, you know, you're in trouble now. You know, <laughs> great timing. <laughs> Easy to say that now. And uh, even speaks of, uh, you know, if Mordecai before whom you have begun to fall, <laughs> uh, the very thing Mordecai would not do before Haman. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what will happen. Well, time for banquet number two. And so Haman is whisked off. Any comments or questions on chapter six? Didn't get very much done that day. Uh, well, yeah, he had a very important job for the king. <laughs> <laughs> she would have known this before that he was a king. She just obviously done an about face here. Isn't that the way people are? Yeah. You know, oh yeah, yeah, you're going to win, everything's got, oh no, it's, it's over. No, you and the, you know, we're always wise after the fact. Yeah, I just, well. You know, the night before, go build a gallows, yeah, and yeah, the next it. day, well, you can't be. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like a woman to be fickle. <laughs> yeah. Who's having you on? <laughs> Just be honest. After you drew the question. Did didn't the king know that Mordecai was a Jew? Yeah. But did he know the king know now that the Jews are the one that's going to be killed? Well, how would he? No. Why didn't he sign? Why well, didn't he sign it? He gave his ring to Haman to. Uh, that was amazing. What are all the people to think? Because the people all know the Jews are supposed to be killed. <laughs> he's kind of ditching himself. I'd like to honor this man Mordecai before I kill him or let him die in a few weeks. But yeah, but no, he he gave over the signet yeah. ring that like yeah. like is the seal that stamps the document. So no, he never seen this order. He just gave he gave Haman the right to make any decree he wanted to, I guess. So when would he find out? Yeah. I know, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe number two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when would he? Uh, when would he have? Well, that's when he sees the news in the paper on the fourteenth so of twelfth uh, month, month, do it? He would not have known. Until no, I mean, he was isolated. Think about it. Esther didn't know. <laughs> I guess Esther only because she saw Mordecai's reaction and inquired. She heard about Mordecai's reaction and inquired. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe he never would have known. I don't know. If Esther had been, been killed, he might have found out about it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he bothered to call her, you know, I don't know. No, they would have texted. That would have that could have changed this whole story. Alright, chapter seven. Now the king and Haman came to drink wine with Esther the queen. And the king said to Esther on the second day also, as they drank wine, their wine at the banquet, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to half the kingdom it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given as my petition and my people as my request. 
for we have been sold, and I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. And now if we had only been sold as slaves, men and women, I would have remained silent, for the trouble would not commens uh, commensurate with the annoyance to the king. And King Ahasuerus asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is he who would presume to do thus? And Esther said, A foe and an enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman became terrified before the king and queen. And the king arose in his great in his anger from drinking wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther. Uh, for he saw that harm had been determined against him by the king. Now when the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he even assault the queen with me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered him in space. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs, uh, who were before the king, said, Behold, indeed, the gallows standing at Haman's house, fifty cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai. wood on behalf of the king, and the king said, Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows, which he had prepared for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided. Okay. So, banquet number two. King says, Esther, what do you really want? I'll give you half the kingdom. And she says, well, I'll tell you what I want. And she drops a bombshell. What does she say she wants? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I want my life. Because we have been sold. I and my people to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Where have we heard that line before? She said, if we had only been sold as slaves, I wouldn't have even bothered the king. You know, but we were sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. And so I thought I'd bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what is she omitting? Yes. She is just saying it has been done using the passive voice. And she's getting the king upset and angry before she directs his anger at an object. She's good. She is. <laughs> she reminds me of somebody in the Bible who also got the king's anger, anger stirred before directing it. Back, Nathan and David, exactly, before directing it back at himself. I think this is another Nathan-like uh, thing. And so, you know, the king says, well, who is this? Now, think about this. She says, me and my people, we've been sold... To be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. And the king says, well, who did that? Just how common are schemes of genocide in, the, in his empire that he wouldn't have any idea who did it? You know, how many decrees has he been giving his signet ring for? Anyhow, it's like, it's like it didn't even phase him what Haman had done. So, Esther points the finger at Haman. There he is right there. Well, Haman's terrified. And the king? Furious. Fur furious and? Leap. Yeah, discombobulated probably. <laughs> you know, what's he going to do now? Who's he going to get advice from? I don't know. <laughs> so his first instinct is to escape. And kind of bewildered probably and furious. 
And Haman does the same thing Esther's done early in the, earlier in the chapter. Pleads for his life. From Esther. <laughs> and actually, what does he do? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least he falls on the couch before her, on the sofa. That's ironic. You know, his wife said, you've begun to fall, and he keeps falling. <laughs> and he wanted to kill all the Jews because Mordecai wouldn't fall before him. Now he falls before a Jew. And just as he's falling there at Esther, the king returns. And accuses him of what? Salting her. Yeah. Trying to rape the queen right here. Now, what do you think about that? Well, was Haman trying to do that? Mm-hmm. Certainly not. What about the king's accusation? It didn't matter at that point. His anger was at Haman to where he was just adding whatever. Maybe it mattered in a way. Kim's a little more immediate. Does the king really think that's what, Haman, what Haman's doing? No. I think it's something he can put his finger on to say, you deserve to be why, why hasn't he already got enough to do that with? Well, make him look stupid. Because. <laughs> I mean, he, he was the one who him. Yes. It gives him a pretext to punish Haman. How could he fault Haman for what he had earlier approved himself? I don't think even somebody as thick-headed as the king could really think that Haman would choose this time and place for a sexual assault on the queen. You know, I think this is an excuse to eliminate a troublemaker, a convenient spin that he puts on this. Oh, you're trying to assault my queen! Well, you deserve to be executed. I could be wrong about that, and I wouldn't insist on that explanation. It's just like, the king really think that's what he tried to do? I think it's, it's a way of getting rid of him without having to go through the messiness of accusing him of doing what the king told him to do. That's what I think. And they didn't allow him to defend himself. Yeah. Well, they didn't allow him to defend himself. So he said he would say, no, I wasn't. You know, there was no, because it says, as the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Yes. Yeah, it's over for Haman. <laughs> so the one who wanted to kill a Jew for not falling down before him is killed on a charge of falling down inappropriately before a Jew. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Second. <laughs> one who wanted to kill a Jew for not falling down before him is killed on a charge of falling down inappropriately before a Jew. But the king really doesn't know what to do about it. So he gets some advice. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Are you seeing a pattern? It's <laughs> a great movie, One Night with the King. Have you seen that? No. It's a pretty good scene. Like, it's the timing of it is really good. Yeah. That'd be cool. Have you heard of that? No. It's not completely accurate. Yeah, most of them are. Pretty, pretty accurate overall. I think it's a pretty good picture, I think. Better than VeggieTales? <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
Well, they're a pretty real cryptid because it's the gallows. It's the island of perpetual tickling forever and ever. That didn't come up in Brazil. That didn't come up. I just didn't know what to say. <laughs> so, Haman is executed. The very place where he should have been executed as, as well. And, um, you know, you look at this, even up to this point. I think we need to really think again. I've said this, but I think this is such a major lesson we need to say it again. And that is that God makes plans and has purposes that cannot be thwarted and that God's will will be done. Now, God often acts in very subtle ways, invisible ways, like you don't ever see his name here. Ever. Not one time in the book. Of all, of all things, not a reference to God anywhere in the book. Just as you never really see God anywhere in, in your life. You know, like physically see Him. Like, you know, He never speaks, like comes down and whispers in your ear, and He never shows up right in front of your face, and all that kind of stuff. And yet, He's there. His hand is there. And, and you just look back. I mean, look at all of the things God orchestrated. You know, the coincidences of the book. And I mean, you can go all the way back. You know, I mean, Vashti doesn't come in. So he has to get, he, they make the suggestion to get another queen. And Esther's the very queen selected. And lo and behold, Mordecai, Mordecai finds out about this plot and all this, and it gets recorded, but he doesn't get, you know, properly rewarded for it. And, and uh, you know, the lot falls on the very last month of the year. And uh, the king holds out the golden scepter for Esther. And, you know, the king's sleepless night and the particular form of entertainment he chose, or disentertainment as the case might be, and the very place the book was chosen, and just on and on and on. What are the chances? Clearly, this is God's hand. But you only see it if you're looking for it. Because his name isn't there. He never, he never forces himself into your field of vision. He's always behind the scenes, working in all the events. Comments and questions? In this chapter, I noticed the emphasis on drinking. Yes. You pointed out, like in verse 1. I wonder if she gave him a few drinks, too. Just verse 7, verse 8, you know. That's the king's that's kind of his motive. Operation. I, I've read. I guess this is true that the in the Persian, like when they had their like council meetings of the high ministers and so forth, that they didn't make decisions unless they were drinking. And I think I've read that later when they were sober they would review the decision, but the initial decision had to be made while they were drinking. So that's what I've read. I don't know. Why? So would that be why they would have a cup bearer? So always. Who knows? 
Somewhere, somebody want, to find, somebody want to find and give me some water. Not wine, but water. He sort of made a decision about this. Cupbearer. What? What is? It's over there on the thing, I think. Right there by the. I'll find it. Oh, so okay. Right. This one too. There is another um, gallows backfire in the Bible, so to speak, when the cross turned into an instrument of victory and not defeat. So there might be a little foreshadowing of that as well. All right. Anything else you want to say on chapter 7? Chapter 8, uh, verse 1 through 8. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, to Queen Esther and Mordecai, came before the king. For Esther had disclosed what he was to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had taken away from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther sent Mordecai over the house of Haman. Then Esther spoke again to the king, fell at his feet, wept, and implored him to avert the evil scheme of Haman the Agite, and his plot which he had devised against the Jews. The king extended the golden scepter to Esther, so Esther arose and stood before the king. Then she said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor before him, and the matter seems complicated to me, and I am pleasing in his sight, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by him to the son of the Agite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the king's promises. How can I endure to see the calamity which will befall my people, and how can I endure to see the destruction of my kingdom? So King Ahasuerus said to King Esther in the Mordecai, the Jew, Behold, I have given the house of Haman to Esther, and him they have hanged on the gallows, because he had stretched out his hand against the Jews. Now you write to the Jews as you see fit in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring, for a decree which is written in the name of the king, and sealed with the king's signet ring, may not be revoked. Well, we read at the end of chapter 7, the king's anger subsided. Now, when his anger had subsided in the beginning of chapter 2, he needed a new queen. Now he needs a new prime minister. And uh, who was selected? Mordecai. Mordecai, who basically gets everything Haman had. His wealth, his title, his power. And uh, even the signet ring. <laughs> <laughs> So now Mordecai will have the unlimited power of the emperor at his uh, hand. And Esther begged the king for mercy. What do they need now? They need their lives. Yeah, he's still got that edict in force. You know, Haman may be gone, but the law is on the 13th of the 12th month, the Jews are to be killed. And really, you know, that's kind of a problem. Because what about the laws of the Medes and Persians? Yeah. 
They so, were so arrogant they never made. They were all <laughs> that's exactly the point. Yeah, the king never made mistakes. He couldn't revoke his law. <laughs> so, what can they do? Yeah, they make a law that sort of helps deal with the first law <laughs> without revo- revoking it, exactly. And he just tells, you know, Esther and Mordecai, you got the signal ring. Make whatever law you want. <laughs> sure. Does it again. <laughs> yeah, he didn't learn his lesson. Thankfully, Mordecai and Esther make a more reasonable law. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's not, don't, don't expect him to have to handle any details. All right, comments or questions? Well, let's see what law they make, 9 to 14. the governors and the princes of the provinces, which extended from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces. To every province according to its script, and every people according to their language, as well as to the Jews according to their script and their language. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, and sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horses, riding on steeds sired by the royal <laughs> And then the king granted And then the king granted the Jews who were in each and every city the right to assemble and to defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate the entire army of any people or province which might attack them, including children and women, and to plunder their spoil. On one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, the 13th day of the 12th month, that is the month Adar, a copy of the need to be issued as law in each and every province was published to all the people so the Jews should be ready for this day to avenge themselves of their enemies. The couriers hastened and impelled by the king's command went out, riding on the royal steed, and the decree was given out in Susa, the capital. So... <clears throat> What is the decree Mordecai issues 70 days after Haman's decree was issued? Anybody attacks? Defends. Yes. And does the language sound familiar? I think he was, I think he plagiarized. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> kind of the uh, same thing in, in reverse. They can destroy, kill, and annihilate their enemies. Including the Roman and children. Yes, exactly, and plunder the spoil. And uh, the law is sent out by Persian Pony Express again, uh, you know, the Persian postal system, uh, to everywhere. And so it's important that the new edict be delivered just as broadly and widely as the old one, so all the Jews know that they have the right to assemble and to execute their enemies. comments and questions. It didn't appear that this whole story took two months. I know. But this is now in the third month. Yes. So it 70 was, days later. 70. So that just seemed a little... The odd. third month, the 23rd day, and the other decree was, was the, the first month, the 13th day. The only thing that we have any time-wise was the, the three days of fasting and, and then two more days with the 
you know, the only days that are actually. So maybe it took Esther a month to notice Mordecai. Yeah, I don't know where the delay delays come in. There are some other options as well. There's also some time here after yeah. the king's anger subsided. Right. I don't know how quickly he appointed Mordecai and Esther had this opportunity. I'm just not sure where the time comes in. You're right. I wouldn't have expected that either. Between verse 2 and 3, Esther spoke again to the king. He had to go through the same process. Right. But you see several spots where you could get some time, but you know where the time really was. That gap theory. Yeah. <laughs> in verse 1, chapter 8, though, it says on that day he gave the house of Haman to Queen Esther Mordecai the for the king. Yeah. It seems like he was killed. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. He gave everything to Mordecai on that day, but then. So maybe between 2 and 3. Yeah. Okay. Or, or you know, it may have taken her a long time to recognize the. I don't know how long the communications were between Esther and Mordecai in those initial chapters, uh, and so forth. So I don't know. Or perhaps even, you know, sometime getting this written up and ready to send out. I don't know. It has to be written in all the languages of the. I don't know how long it takes to get the royal translators functioning. <laughs> Maybe it should go out for Haman's if you get sent out as well. Well, we know it was sent out on the first month of 13th day. Oh, okay. But yeah, it may have. Okay. Anyhow, 15 to 17. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white with a large crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple. And the, and, the, and the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. For the Jews there, for the Jews there was light and gladness and joy and honor. For the Jews. Yeah, for the so. Jews there was light and gladness. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm trying to say. For the Jews there was light and gladness and joy and honor. And each of, and it, and it, <laughs> easy for you to say. I thought the verses would be easy. <laughs> and in each and every province, and in each and every city, wherever the king's commandment and his decree arrived, there was gladness and joy for the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many among the peoples of the land became Jews, for the dread of the Jews had fallen on them. <laughs> You see what's happening. Yeah, we all want to be there, right? Yeah, exactly. Lots Exactly. <laughs> Becoming a Jew becomes the most popular thing around. So the whole tide turns pro-Jew, and they're they're rejoicing. I mean, it's just the opposite reaction from Haman's decree. Everything is just reversing, just almost line for line, word for word. Who would have thought that, you know, a couple chapters earlier, that this is going to be the greatest opportunity for Jew the Jews there's ever been? All right, other comments and questions? All right, let's see what happens. Chapter 9, verses 1 to 10. Thank you. 
you can mumble fluently or skip them or whatever you like. I'll give it a try. Alright, go for it, man. Can't do any worse than Kyle did. So. <laughs> he didn't have any hard names. <laughs> okay. Now, on the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day, when the king's command and edict were about to be executed, on the day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, it was turned to, to the contrary so that the Jews themselves gained the mastery over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could stand before them, for the dread of them had fallen on all the peoples. Even all the princes of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and those who were doing the king's business assisted the Jews, because the dread of Mordecai had fallen on them. Indeed, Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces, for the, for the man Mordecai became greater and greater. Thus the Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. At the citadel in Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men, and Parshandatha, Dalphon, Aspatha, Poratha, Adalia, Eridatha, Parmashtha, Parmashtha, Eridai, and Biasatha, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Jews' enemy. But they did not lay their hands on the plunder. Alright, so they are not victims, they are victors. You know, it's just, wow. And I mean, everybody helps them. You know, the, the, the leaders, the, the governmental leaders and so forth. Mordecai is the, the one that everybody looks up to and honors and respects. And the Jews end up killing and destroying those that hate them. And including the ten sons of Haman. So they are correcting Saul's error. <laughs> you know, they are uh, destroying the Amalekites. But what do they not do? Take the plunder. Although the decree that had been signed <laughs> said they could take the plunder. So why when they have governmental authorization to take the plunder do they not do so? that was... Wait, didn't the king give that to Mordecai? Yeah. Gave Mordecai the right for the Jews to take away the plunder from the, their enemies. I thought this was Haman's plunder. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And he got all Mordecai... Mordecai got all of Haman's stuff. Yes. But on this day when they kill their enemies, they don't take the plunder from the sons of Haman. And we'll see later on, they don't take any plunder. Wasn't their goal? Well, originally, that was part of the price to buy off the king's ring, or something like that. Yeah, you're exactly right. That wasn't their goal. Um, they have pure motives. They're not trying to enrich themselves, but also God's original decree. Remember that one. First Samuel 15 to destroy, to destroy it all and not to take the plunder 
Because who does the spoil go to? The spoil goes to who? The victor. And who was that? The Lord. Exactly. This is a, um, you know, this is the Lord's battle. This is the Lord's war against the Amalekites and others. The Lord has won the victory. They're not going to take the plunder. So they follow out, actually, the decree given to Mordecai's ancient ancestor. And they do not take any of the plunder. Not from the uh, sons of Haman. And later on we'll see not from, from others as well. Comments and thoughts? You're saying the decree for Saul to kill the Amalekites? Yes, I am. Even though it doesn't strictly apply because not everybody killing a Jew was an Amalekite. That's true. Okay. But here at least the ten sons were. Okay. So I wonder, did the ten sons try to kill the Jews? I would assume. I mean, it's not real clear, but... It, in, in some ways to read it, it almost appears like the Jews took advantage and killed some of their enemies. And that could be as well. Regardless of whether they were being attacked. Yeah, I'm not sure about that that question. But that was the decree too. That's true. Take advantage of your enemies on this day. Don't look at me in that tone of, tone of voice, Kyle. <laughs> well, the is all they were to kill. That's correct. But the ten sons were. See, the reference here is just to the ten sons, that's the wonder. Although it will also apply to the others, but here it's to the ten sons. How many years was it from Saul that this was actually carried out? Yeah, about 500. So eventually the Lord will get his way. Actually, closer to 600. Yeah. Yeah, the Lord, you know, has a long memory. Memory. You remember, I mean, a classic example of that. You remember Joshua's covenant with the Gibeonites. And God was angry when Saul, 350 years later or whatever it was, killed Gibeonites. Because they made a covenant with them 350 years before. You know, good grief. In, in our international affairs, you know, nations double-cross their treaties within, you know, 24 hours. You know, and God was upset when it had been 240 years, or however long it had been. Longer than that, I guess. 350 to 40. Whatever. 24 hours to a long time. Been a while. All right, 11 to 19. Try again. <laughs> yeah, you're yourself. On that day, the number of those who were killed in Susa, the capital, was reported to the king. And the king said to Queen Esther, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and the 10 sons of Haman in Susa, the capital. What then have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, what is your petition? It shall even be granted to you. And what is your further request? It shall also be done. Then Esther said, If it please the king, let tomorrow also be granted to the Jews who are in Susa 
to do according to the edict of today, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded that it should be done so. And an edict was issued, big surprise, in Susa, and Haman's ten sons were hanged. And the Jews who were in Susa assembled also on the fourteenth day of the month Adar, and killed three hundred men in Susa, but they did not lay hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces assembled to defend their lives and rid themselves of their enemies and killed and, and killed 75,000 of those who hated them. But they did not lay their hands on the plunder. This was done on the 13th day of the month of Adar. Now on the 14th day they rested and made it a day of feasting and rejoicing. The Jews who were in Susa assembled on the 13th and the 14th of the same month. And they, and they rested on the 15th day and made it a day of fasting and rejoicing. Feasting. Feasting. <laughs> that makes a little difference. <laughs> and rejoicing. Got that part right. Uh, therefore, the Jews of the rural areas who live in the rural towns make the 14th day of the month Adar a holiday for rejoicing and feasting <laughs> and sending portions of food to one another. All right. Um, what impresses the king? Yeah, he's impressed by the death toll in Susa already. Wonder what they done anywhere else. <laughs> you know, I don't know about this. Um, and he says, "What do you want, Esther? I'll give you anything you want, up to half the kingdom." It's getting old by now. But uh, what does she want? Second date. Day number two in Susa, the capital, and yeah, Haman's ten sons to be hanged on the gallows. And the king, of course, grants both requests. And so in Susa, on the fourteenth day also, they kill off enemies. So it turns out that the Jews in the countryside commemorated the victory on the 14th day of the month and in Susa on the 15th day of the month. And uh, rejoice and all that. Now how many actually ended up being killed? Roughly? 75,000. About 75,000. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, of enemies. Comments and questions? Yes, but we're. Now this is the public the display of their dead bodies. <laughs> so they hung their dead bodies on a gallows. Yes, exactly. Is that what this is? I mean, because they are dead. Yeah, yeah. This is just to, to publicly display them and disgrace them. Probably not overnight. I don't know how concerned they'd have been to follow the rules. Alright. Yeah, see much evidence that Esther is uh, worried about <laughs> clean and unclean foods in this book and things like that? I don't know. I'm guessing they just got them up there. You waited until they were, what, destroyed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or bird eaten. Now, do the Jews still celebrate these holidays? Purim, yes, this holiday. Um, but I can't remember what it's called. 
It would be like in February. That's That's when the door would fall. Yeah, I think so. February, March. All right. Let me go all the way back to Esther. Yeah. So the Jews believe in the Old Testament, just like the New. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that a new revelation for you, Kyle? <laughs> wow. So a Jewish Bible would contain. Yeah. I guess. I haven't seen a Jewish Bible, but... They wouldn't add a subtract? No. Well, I don't think so. Well, they have, they have lost books because they add together like Kings, Chronicles, and Samuel. They organize them differently. Well, right. But they follow the Masoretic text. <laughs> yeah. But you know, most Jews are just secular. They're not even religious. Most ethnic Jews. Right. Most of them aren't concerned at all about the right. God or the law or anything else. Ram Emanuel. Yeah. Okay. Is he Jewish? Yeah. Okay. Manual. I thought Ram. <laughs> All right. Anything else uh, through through nineteen? Twenty to thirty-two. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters to all the Jews near and far who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to establish among them that they should celebrate yearly the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar as the days on which the Jews had rest from their enemies as the month which was turned from sorrow to joy for them from morning to a holiday that they should make them days of feasting and joys of sending presents to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews accepted the custom which they had begun as Mordecai had written to them, because Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to annihilate them, and had cast her, that is, the lot, to consume them and destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letter that this wicked plot which Haman had devised against the Jews should return on his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. So they called these days Purim, after the name Pur. Therefore, because of all the words of this letter, what they had seen concerning this matter, and what had happened to them, the Jews established and imposed it upon themselves and their descendants, and all who had joined them, that without fail they should celebrate these two days every year according to the written instructions and according to the prescribed time, that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, that these days of Purim should not fail to be observed among the Jews, and as a memory of them, should not perish among their descendants. <clears throat> then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm the second letter about Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, with words of peace and truth, to confirm these days of Purim at their appointed time, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had prescribed for them, and as they had decreed for themselves and their descendants concerning matters of their fasting and lamenting. So the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim, and it was written in the book. Alright. So, these, this is the written authorization for the feast days of Purim. You've got Mordecai's letter in 20 to 28, Esther's letter in 29 to 32. And, and so you've got written documentation and validation that this feast, I'm going to standardize it, they'll observe it on the two days the 14th and the 15th of the 12th month. Do what? That's right. 
And this is a joyous feast. This is a celebratory feast. This is where you give gifts and send food and have fun. Uh, so, and it's called Purim because the lot, the word for lot is pure. And uh, the em on the end is just making a plural. So Purim. Comments and questions about this? <laughs> a little bit does, doesn't it? But you said it means to cast lots pure. Yeah, pure, I think, is the lot itself. I think yeah, it's pure. That's correct. So, Jews today, they're just ethnic Jews and not religious. Still celebrate these religious holidays. Probably not a whole lot. Depends, but probably a lot of them know. So most Jews we know would only be such a name. Yeah, I mean, they're not very dedicated, most of them. And even if they observed a holiday or two, they're not very focused on spiritual things. Oh, sure, kind of like Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as a whole, even ethnic Jews would in some way identify with these religious practices. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe a little. I don't know many Jews, personally. There's a big Jewish community here. I mean, it's pretty good size in Pittsburgh. I had a Jewish friend growing up, and he didn't care about anything. Lee Lasky. You remember him? I wouldn't think you'd know him. He was, he was kind of quiet. I don't remember many, but he was one of my best friends. But he was not. He was a nice guy, but he wasn't religious at all. You are? Erhard Bell. Erhard Bell. All right. Uh, that's all I have to say about that chapter, really. I mean, that just sets us up for, for the feast, these last two couple of sections. And so, chapter 10. <coughs> the king Ahasuerus laid a tribute on the land and on the coastlands of the sea, and all the accomplishments of his authority and strength, and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai to which the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Hasmerus, and great among the Jews and in favor with his many kinsmen, one who sought the good of his people and one who spoke for the welfare of his own. Okay. So, we see the greatness of the king and particularly the accomplishments and the greatness of Mordecai. Mordecai became a very great, honored, exalted man how did he use his greatness? Yes. He shows us in contrast to Haman how power ought to be used for others and to serve and not for self-promotion. So I think you can really see the contrast between Mordecai and Haman. Let me see kind of a picture here of what exactly happened to Joseph. Yes. And he's, all these things were done to him for for evil and see how what the Lord did in that case also. And you even have that idea of his kindness to the king had been forgotten for a time 
and conveniently, conveniently remembered at a very important time. But the same thing had happened with, in the life of Joseph. So there are some parallels between Joseph and Mordecai, for sure. Both of them becoming vice emperors. Esther's certainly not a role model necessarily. Um, I don't know <laughs> to what extent what she does in this book is out of line for a woman's role. She's the queen. I don't know that she has a great deal of independent authority. Um, I don't know uh, if, if there are some things she's doing here that would have been inappropriate for a woman to do. She seems to team up with Mordecai in a lot of this stuff. Um, so I don't, I don't know what to say about that. But, but as far as, you know, this being pro or con for us, I mean, the fact that she's married to a pagan king, right. you know, I think is clearly not acceptable before God. Perhaps even the fact that she doesn't seem to have had any scruples about, it. you know, almost assimilating into Persian culture, eating what they eat and so forth. Um, I think, you know, I think shows she was not, she was not in every way an example. Mm -hmm. So you're saying Esther, the text doesn't really hold Esther up as an example. I don't think so. There are certain things Esther does that are good examples, but I don't think as a whole that she is. Mm -hmm. So you can't just extrapolate from her doing one good thing and say, oh, well, let's... I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Hi. <laughs> 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 saying it's not like it's not like that everybody's got a copy of the Torah at home. Sure, but they have access to the Torah. Yeah, I think so. a scribe skilled in the law of Moses 
and he'd set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it, to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Right. So I would say Ezra shows that there was the opportunity to learn the law and to teach it. Right. But the law would just be the first five. Right? So maybe you would not a capitalized law. It's just a, so yeah. You don't really know what you're saying, or you don't know at least. what. No, I don't know. Anything else I don't know? <laughs> Is there a way to know that? I don't know. Is there a way to know what he doesn't know? Well, I'm just saying, like, I mean, are there things written for us that we could even read to know, get an idea of? No, not really. Okay. I don't know. I have no idea. All right, very good. Thank you for sharing that with me. That was fun.